We all have dreams, and whether large or small, dreams take steps to achieve. And sometimes we think it takes a complex formula to get where we want to be. But in actuality, small steps over time create big results. This is The Tipping Point. Well, good morning. Well, welcome to Life Point today. I want to start out just asking you to imagine something. I want you to imagine your life as you want it to be. Now, for some of you, you're going to say, well, I have it. But for many of you, when you think about where you want to be relationally, you're thinking of a point down the road, a place you haven't arrived yet. When you think about where you want to be financially, you're thinking about somewhere else down the road. Maybe when you think about your health, it's not quite where you want it to be. So you have this life that you really want, but you haven't quite gotten there yet. Now, for some of you, when I even say that, it maybe brings up regret. Or it might make you hopeful that, hey, maybe I'll get there. Or today, maybe you're just thinking, I'm going to resolve again to start over. Well, today I'm going to ask you to consider something as we jump into this new teaching series. I'm going to ask you to consider this. Consider what small investments over time might mean in the future. So whatever you're thinking about out there in the future, what about making small investments every day with that end in mind? When our daughters were in high school, one of them decided she was going to run cross country and we'd go to all the cross country meets. And one day she came home from a meet and she said, dad, you need to start running. And I said, without somebody chasing me, I need to run. Yeah, come run with me. And so I started right off running a half a mile. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to do a whole mile. And I did. And I thought I was going to vomit. And I was, you know, heaving and, and just barely making it back for that one mile. And she's laughing at me because I could barely do it. But then I kept running a little further and I could do two and then I could do three and then I could even go beyond that. Fast forward a couple years. I'm a big Rocky fan. Anybody a big Rocky fan? Yeah, does, does that not inspire you every time, no matter how many times you see it? Well, in Philadelphia, every November, there's a run called the Rocky Balboa Run, and last year, I ran it. It's a 10-mile run, and my daughter and I got together. We drove to Philadelphia, and we run through the streets of Philadelphia. There's Rocky music playing everywhere. There's like 10,000 other people. It's a 10-mile run, and I had some goals, uh, three major goals, one, Run the whole thing and don't walk it. Two, don't stop no matter what. Three, don't die. That was it. And I'm happy to say that at the end of the day, I was a finisher and I made it my 10 miles. Yeah. I've been wanting to wear this with pride. This is my Rocky medal. It shows that I made it 10 miles and I made my goal. But those 10 miles would have never been run had I not started with that half. Now, there's probably some people in here that you're like, 10 miles, that's nothing. There may be two or three of you. There's a few people, you could probably run a 5K, 3.2 miles without much trouble. 
Uh, there's some of you that probably couldn't run a half mile without us having to call 911. But the point is, I would have never gotten to say, I just did 10 miles, and later this year, I'm going to do my first half marathon. I'm just going to keep going. And I would have never been able to do that had I not started making those investments that hurt a lot up front, maybe, but got me ready for what was next. And when you're looking out at your life and you're thinking, what's the life that I'm supposed to have? What's the life that I really want for me and for my family? What does it take to get there? What does it take for me to get to the place relationally where I know I need to be? Because over time, no matter where we need to be, there are some small changes that we need to make. Now, when we think about where we are in life, especially if we're not where we want to be, a couple things happen. We look at the past and we have regret. Maybe you're looking at your bank account thinking, how did I get here where I'm in so much debt or I'm so mismanaging the money that I make and you have regret? Or you're looking across the table from your spouse saying, how did we get here to where we don't even like being around each other? And you look at that and you think, I have regret when I think about the life I want because I'm not even close. Some people, when they think about the life they want, you look at the future and think, I could never get there. I could never run 10 miles. I could never have healthy relationships. I could never get things on track financially. I just can't do it. So either look at the past with regret or the future with fear, but there's a better way than living like that. There's a better way when you look out at the life that you really want to have, the life you were meant to live, there's a different way. That's why we're doing this series called The Tipping Point. Here, here's what the tipping point is. Textbook definition is just this. The point at which an issue, idea, behavior, product, etc., crosses a certain threshold, gains significant momentum, and it's triggered by some minor factor or change. In other words, small steps now that make a big difference in the future. That's what a tipping point is. Because eventually you'll get to the place where it, it moves in your direction and things go the way they're supposed to go or the way you want to go, want it to go. So throughout this series, we're going to be talking about some things that we can start doing in our lives now that might be small investments now, but they pay off big time down the road. Things like what if I institute the habit in my life of reading the Bible every day? You may not understand a thing about it right now, but what if you started right now, today? Well, it, you may not feel a difference today or even tomorrow or maybe even next week, but eventually you're going to reach this place where you tip over and something's going to happen in your life and you're going to remember what God's word had to say and you're going to have hope. You're going to wonder what direction you should go, and you're going to remember the strength that you got from being engaged in his living and active word on a daily basis, and you're going to have hope, and you're going to look towards that life you've always wanted with anticipation of all that God's going to do in your life because he's been revealing himself to you through just a daily drip, drip, drip of his word. Things like Christian community. What's it like to live my life in community with other people who share my faith. I've been involved in small groups in my life ever since the day I said yes to Jesus. 
There's no better investment that you can make. And maybe you're not involved with a group of people with whom you can share your life and your hurts and your fears and that life that you've always wanted. If you're not, I'm going to challenge you to get involved with that. To get involved with a group of people that it might be uncomfortable the first day. It might be uncomfortable the first month. But eventually something's going to happen in your life. A challenge is going to come, something you want to celebrate. You're going to be heartbroken or you're going to be experiencing heartache. And then you're going to have a group of people surrounding you that share your faith. And you're going to be glad you made that investment of community on a continual basis. It might be a small step now, but when something comes into your life and you need it, you will be glad that you made that investment. And so those types of things are what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And hopefully it'll move you from skepticism to certainty, if that's you. If you feel this distance between you and God, it will remove that and you'll understand the closeness God wants to have with each of us. And it may not happen in a split second, but by making small investments over time, it'll make a difference. And it requires us to change. The only thing that we're guaranteed of that happens in a split second is when we confess Jesus as Lord and accept him as our Savior and our Master and ask him to forgive our sins and put us with him for eternity. That happens like that. So that's the one thing you don't have to just wait for it to happen. When you're ready, he's ready, it happens. But for all the other things that you imagine, when I said imagine your life, it's going to take little investments over time that'll require you to institute some change in your life. Now, people approach change in a couple of different ways. Me, I love change. I will move our living room around because it's April. I'll say to my wife sometimes, hey, let's flip the bed over to the other side of the room and just, just live like that for a while. And she's like, why? It's perfect right where it is. Like, why would we move that? I just like things to change. Some of you may not like that. And so this idea of doing something new and uncomfortable to get to the life you've always wanted, uh, maybe that's not really something you're looking forward to. Well, I wanna challenge you to take those steps and do that work because eventually you're going to get to the place where everything tips and momentum's going to be going in the direction you've always wanted your life to go in. We're going to be looking at a story in Jesus's life today that is about Jesus and a man that he talked to who's never named, but it's just a man he spoke to and, and this young man had some questions of Jesus. So there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. Just raise your hand if you would like one of those. You can also follow along on the screen. So this young man comes up to Jesus, and he had identified that Jesus could give him the life that he really wanted. And he heard Jesus teach. Something about Jesus drew him to Jesus. And so he had a question. And it's recorded in the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So he's saying, I see something Jesus has. It's going to lead me to this eternal life that I've always wanted. What do I need to do? 
And so he and Jesus start to have this conversation. They start to talk about how good the guy is. Jesus tells him, you need to obey what I say to do. And the guy's like, oh, I've done that. I obey all the commands. I do all of that. I love people. I put God before people. I, I'm good. I listen to what God says to do and I go do it. That's what I am, Jesus. And Jesus is saying to him, that's great that you listen to me, that you obey me, that you're a good person. And then Jesus drops this on him. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your, all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now that's a lot to ask. He's already a good guy. He's already doing things he should be doing spiritually in his life. And this Jesus, then Jesus identifies, here's something that will get you to the life you always wanted. You need to sell all your stuff. You need to give the money to the poor. Now you need to come and follow me if you want to be perfect. Now, when Jesus said the word perfect, we think about faultless. Like, you mean if I sell all my stuff, I'll be faultless. But really, that's not exactly what it would have sounded like to the people listening. Because that word perfect in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, really doesn't mean without fault. It, a more accurate way to say it is if you want to be complete, if you want to be not wanting anything else, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. That's what Jesus was saying. You're incomplete because you want eternal life and you recognize it. So you want to be complete? Then sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. And then it says this. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So he couldn't do it. He couldn't give up all the things that he had to follow Jesus. And why would Jesus even ask such a question? He was already a good guy. He was already doing good things. Wasn't there this one more little thing he could do to get eternal life? Just one more little tiny thing and, and he could get it and Jesus has to get all radical and say, sell it all. Get rid of it all. Well, for this young man, clearly, Jesus knew where his heart really was. Even though outwardly he was obeying everything he was supposed to do. Jesus realized something has gripped his heart and I need him to get rid of it. And in his case, that happened to be his stuff. And maybe he didn't start out loving his stuff, but somewhere along the line, because the tipping point can work in the other direction too. He may not have loved his stuff more than God to start with, but a day after day drip of fulfilling every material desire that he had of chasing after the things that were temporary, little by little, over time, his heart went in that direction. And if you want to find out what people really value, start asking them to give things up. You probably have things in your life, if I saw it today and said, can I have that? You would go, sure. But you also have things if I asked for you, you would go, uh, no, that's mine. You cannot have that because I love that. And I got to keep that. And I'm not sharing that. How could this story have been different? How could it have been different for this young man? How could he have not have walked away sad? Well, love his stuff less. 
not let his heart be captured by things. Because it's not hard to give up things that have not captured our hearts. If something's captured your heart, you can't give it up. It's really difficult. So what is Jesus asking us to do here? What's this mean for us? Does it mean that I have to sell everything to follow Jesus? It might for you. It could. It depends on where your heart is. Because what he's really saying is, get rid of all the things that have captured your heart if you really want to follow me. Because to follow Jesus, what he's saying is, I need complete and total surrender. I need you to surrender everything to me. I need you to take everything you have and everything you are and put it at my feet. Just imagine the good that could have been done in that young man's time if he had sold everything, given everything, and received that which can't have a price tag put on it and started to follow Jesus. Imagine the blessing in his life that he missed out on. Imagine the blessing, imagine the blessing in other people's lives that was missed out because he loved his stuff too much and allowed other things to capture his heart. Now, ultimately, when we look at our lives, I, I just, I'm going to assume that everybody here today, that you, you want to be somewhat closer to God or you wouldn't be here. I don't think anybody's saying, whoa, 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 this is church? Wait a minute. I didn't know I was coming to church. We're singing to God? We're drinking grape juice and eating a little cracker? Like, what is that all about? Like, nobody's sitting here doing that. You know where you are. You didn't just wake up. You came here intentionally to be here to sing to God, to give to God, to listen to people talk about God. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on, not just this hour, but all throughout the week. You came here to surrender something, even if it's an hour of your time. Jesus is asking this young man to surrender everything. And to get where we need to be, we have to grasp something that this young man missed. And here it is. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's plan for my life is bigger than my plan for my life. So whatever you have planned for your life, you young folks that are just starting college, maybe you're getting in high school and you're thinking about college, your career, and all you're going to do for your life, and you've got these huge plans, that's great. Plan all you can. But remember, God's plan for what he wants to do with you and through you is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. So God's plan for your life is way bigger than anything you can come up with. And Jesus is trying to tell this young man, you think you're just a good person? And he probably was. You think you just have all this stuff that you've achieved or been given or however he got his wealth? And he's saying, I got so much more planned for you. I got bigger plans than you could ever buy, bigger things than you could ever achieve if you would just surrender everything to me. This idea carried throughout the first century church. In fact, when the Apostle Paul began planting churches, some of the advice that he gave one particular church in the city of Rome was, here's how you need to live your life. And it carries with it this idea of sacrifice or surrender. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is 
your true and proper worship. So how do I worship with all of my life, like he's saying? Well, it starts with surrendering. Because I can't worship something that I'm not willing to give to, that I'm not willing to give up for. And so he's saying, live your life as worship. And he's saying, stop worshiping things you own and live your life in such a way that is worship. So here's what worship is. Worship is simply offering all of me to something else. That's it. Worship is me offering all of me to something else. God's asking this young man for him to be the object of the young man's worship. He's saying give everything up. We can worship stuff really easily. We can worship hobbies, people, money, experiences. And it might seem that Jesus was harsh on this guy, but he was just simply saying, let me show you how to live the life you've really always wanted and needed. You think it's this? And Jesus is saying, no, but you, you surrender your stuff and that which separates us and you're gonna get to the life you always wanted. See, oftentimes we just see worship as here, this thing that's happening for this hour, and it is. We're singing, we're giving, we're sharing communion together, but worship is so much more because worship is my life. And God wants me to see all of my life as worship. So here, here's, here's what worship is. Worship is surrendering all that I am and all that I do to something else. So clearly, this young man was worshiping his stuff because he had committed all that he was to it since he wasn't able and willing to give it up. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, give me some practicals. What do you mean? How do I live a life of worship? I'm here. I came for an hour. But what does that mean this evening or tomorrow morning? What does that look like? So if, if, you're, if you're in school, you're a student, how do you worship God with that? You do your best. If your best is a C, don't tell your parents the pastor said it was okay, but if your best is a C, then great job. Worship God with that ability. If your best is an A, worship God with that. Worship God with your relationships. What would your relationships look like in your life if you surrendered all of them to God? If you're single, what would that relationship with the person you're dating look like if you surrendered it to God? What would your marriage look like if you surrendered that to God? And you looked at your spouse and you said, I just want to help you be all that God's created you to be. And you had this idea of mutual submission to each other. And you wanted to help each other become all that God had created you to be. You're faithful to the marriage. You're faithful to your family. You don't put anything before them in this world. That's worshiping God with all that you are. And if you're a parent, God has given you this responsibility of raising your kids in such a way that they know God that they know who he is. 
How about work and friends and money and neighbors? My life fully surrendered to God is worship. And you might be thinking now, well, thanks a lot, Donnie. Now I feel guilty because I've blown it in all those areas. Not what I was looking for this worship time today. Well, that's not my intent. My intent is to help you simply take a step. Because remember, we're talking about tipping point. Those small steps that you can take that make a big difference in the future. Starting small. You've already done it. You surrendered an hour of your day today. And many of you do that every week. Some of you do it once a month or less, I think. But you surrendered already one hour of your day. Some of you have gone beyond that because the first hour we met today, you were serving in our kids' ministry and you were helping little kids learn about Jesus. Or you greeted or you helped people park or you'll stick around afterwards to get this place looking like nobody's been here again. Some of you gave a lot more than just a couple of hours today. You rehearsed. You came to rehearsals and you made this day happen. So you've already taken some steps toward surrender. And some of you, you surrender through bringing money back to God and helping fulfill the mission of his church or managing your money well. Every year when Cinda and I sit down to do our taxes, we, we sometimes argue just a little bit, just a little and I try not to get tense because there's this big stack of receipts and I'm looking at that number on the screen and my goal is to make that lower rather than higher. And there's a while that it just, you're putting in like the, the positive side and it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. But then you start putting in all the expenses and all the things you can deduct and you're watching it go down. And there's this moment every year. And I usually wait until the last few days. So there's this moment where I wish I would have hired somebody to do it, but I didn't. It's too late to do that now. And I got to finish this up on my own. And then there's this moment where I realize I'm going to get done. I'm not going to have to file an extension. The damage is not as bad as I thought it was. And we pass that tipping point and we hug and we say we're done and we celebrated our home because for at least 12 more months, I don't have to think about this again. Here's the challenge. What steps do you need to take to worship God with all of your life? Not really steps. What step, one thing, do you need to do to start to worship God with all of your life? For many of us, it's that step of surrender. And while I've been talking, you've already identified the things that you need to surrender, to give up, to give to God and say, I'm no longer allowing this to compete with you. Last week at our church, 28 people said yes to Jesus. Follow Christ in baptism. You know, baptism is just this picture of us surrendering, of saying, I, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm just gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna let that old person die and this new person in Christ be raised to walk a new life. And I found out last week that some people said, hey, I really wanted to do that. Something about the stage and the lights and the crowd just kind of freaks me out a little bit, so I did. So this week when the service is over, we have the baptismal ready. 
We have all the stuff that you need to follow Christ today. Just when the lights come on and everybody's leaving, just come down and say, hey, I'm ready to fully and completely surrender everything to him. And if you've not taken that step of baptism, we'll celebrate that. Just a few of us down here. No big lights, no music, not a huge room full of people. But we'll celebrate your time of surrender. We put worship and surrender first in this series because over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking you to implement, perhaps for some of you, brand new practices in your life that will lead you to this tipping point where you're closer than ever to the life you've always wanted. More importantly, to the life God has for you. And it starts with surrender. How could the young man's life have been different? It would have been different if when Jesus said that, he would have said, yeah, that's a small price to pay. And just imagine what he missed out on because he refused to pay it. He refused to surrender. His story would have been different. When I worship with everything, it's easy for me to surrender anything. When I worship God with everything I have, it's easy for me to surrender anything that's in the middle. Just imagine what your life would be like if you started taking those small steps. Imagine what your finances, your family, relationships, your career, all the things that you do. Imagine how different it would be if you said, I'm going to live that life of worship. I'm going to take that step. And I'm going to surrender.